This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement. It's a rewind episode of the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Irene, Griffin the intern's mom. Or like the guys who sold me all that discount candy corn likes to call me, the Finterns mom. That stuff was still overpriced. Today, I come down here to give these guys a piece of my mind. Have you heard what happens every time the guys go away? Have you heard? My son, the most handsome, kindest boy in America, is left down here in this dungeon of a basement alone alone. What's a mom to do? Well, I worry about him. That's what I do. OG has got to stop calling him expense ratio. That's hazing right there. And Joe, he's no better. If that man calls the Fintern a back-end fee one more time, I'm on to you, Joe. Right here. See these eyes? You'll see my foot in your butt if you don't stop it right now. Anyway, I was going to leave a few minutes ago, but after picking up the trash in here, doesn't anyone pick up trash? Come on. I saw a little glint of something. I reached for it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why either. And it turns out it was an album of old episode 541. 541? I thought that was gone forever. Well... After listening, I have to say, this collector's item is really inspirational radio. If you're feeling like me, you need some inspiration for this Monday. And this might be the perfect episode for both of us. Back in 2017, Joe sat down with Deacon Hayes, winner of the Plutus Blog of the Year Award, and talked with Deacon about getting his personal money act together. Deacon racked up $52,000 in debt and somehow built a plan to pay it all off. But you know what? (laughs) I'll let him tell the story. I'll say this, though. From me to mothers everywhere, this interview is the big financial kick in the pants some of you need, kids. Plus, the guys will cover a story about a big investor who sold nine figures worth of stock. But I won't give away too much. Just remember, this episode is from 2017, so disregard any investment advice or giveaways. Enjoy! Finn turns mom out. I can't believe I said that. Who says that? Hey, this is Joe Crane, host of Veteran on the Move podcast. And when I'm not helping veterans transition to entrepreneurship... I'm stacking Benjamins. Mm-hmm. 
Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it's another Monday here in the basement. That means mom's making pies, OG's in a foul mood, and me? Well, I'm going to kick off your week by introducing our amazing guest for today's show. Would you like to retire early? Here to talk about his money struggles and how he's turned around his financial life so he can retire early, we welcome the winner of this year's Plutus Award for Best Personal Finance Blog, The Well-Kept Wallet, and author of the new book, You Can Retire Early, Deacon Hayes. Also, we'll share headlines about a CEO selling over a billion dollars of stock and shoppers not waiting for Black Friday to blow their paychecks. We'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to a Jane who wonders if she's underutilizing her accountant, answer a letter about interest rates from Stephen, and still top it all off with my incredible trivia. And now, two guys who celebrate Monday like you and I, one Barry Manilow song at a time, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. I think he's the guy that thinks he writes the songs. <laughs> the ones that make the whole world sing. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking like Easy Like Sunday Morning. That was the song that came to mind. That's <laughs> is, how I feel today. On is that, that's not a Barry Manilow song, though. Oh, Lionel yeah, no, Richie. I knew that. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Salcihi, and welcome to another episode of the 70s and early 80s Songs for the Win podcast. <laughs> How's it going today, man? Happy Monday. It feels like a beautiful start to the week. It is a fantastic way to kick we off We are in the week. final approach and of 2017. Isn't that sad? I find that kind, kind of sad. Of, kind of, but... You know what isn't sad is the fact that we got a new sponsor, OG. Thanks to Harry's for supporting Stacking Benjamins. How about that? Get your free trial set. I just got mine, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel. Go to harrys.com forward slash SB. Free stuff for listening to the show. And also, did you know that according to a 2016 Gallup poll, about 48% of all Americans don't own any stocks? If you're one of those people, you can start with M1 Finance. They're out to change that trend and help you be invested, maybe by saving a little bit at a time, huh? Set up an automatic savings plan into an M1 Finance account. You can open it with as little as $100. If you use Stacky Benjamins in the promo code, guess what? The whole first year is free. With M1, you can select from one of dozens of professionally designed portfolio pies, as they call them, or you can customize it to your liking. So make it as easy as one of those crazy robos, or as you decide to take the training wheels off and do it yourself, you can also do that too without having to change accounts. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance. Download their mobile app or hit them on the web. M1 Finance, be invested. We're invested in a great show today. Deacon Hayes is joining us. We saw that guy walk across the stage at FinCon OG. Yes, we did. Winning that big old Plutus Award. We're happy to call him a friend of ours. Deacon Hayes coming down to the basement. Frequent guest, but he's got a new book out. Simon and Schuster, too, man. Oh, the Penguin people. I know. We know all the... I don't think so. I think that's Penguin. I think Penguin's the Penguin people. Oh, oh okay. Good to know. But we've got, <laughs> we got some headlines, <laughs> so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Recent story here from TheVerge.com. World's richest man just took home a 10-figure payday. This by Nick Stott. 
Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos sold more than a billion dollars worth of stock a couple weeks ago. A billion dollars worth of stock at one time. You can't really live on that, but that's, as uh, somebody told me on Twitter, they're like, that's nice walking around money. Yeah, a little bit of folding money in the pocket. I like that. A little folding money. Do you think he goes to the bank and, uh, you know, says, I'll take, um, see, how would I like that? Let me do, let me do a couple hundreds. Uh, a lot of nickels. I'm going to need a lot of those $5 bills. For the nickel slots. Uh, oh, I thought you meant. No, not real nickels. Come on. <laughs> Jeff Bezos doesn't. He calls the $5 bills nickels. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure he, he gets a couple, couple stacks of hundreds, some 50s. You know, the reason I wanted to bring this up, though, is because. What does he do with the money after that? <laughs> like, well, well, that's my point is that my son just started a new job and he really likes the company he's going to work for. And I told him about using the employee stock purchase plan. I said, but don't load up on the stock. And he is a 22-year-old new investor. And it's the first time my son's ever looked at me like, yeah, I don't buy that. I think I'm going to load up on the stock. (laughs) And and, uh, even Jeff Bezos selling off a bunch of his stock. And some people also think this is a sign that the stock's going down. This doesn't mean anything about anything. A lot of those... uh high compensated corporate executives put plans in place with their financial advisor team and tax team years in advance to, to automatically liquidate a certain amount of stock, you know, at, a, at a certain intervals. In fact, he can't just, you know, Bezos, he can't call up his broker and say, hey, uh, dump a million shares today, right? Because he's an insider. And so he has to follow all these different rules of disclosing when he's going to do it and all this other sort of stuff. In all likelihood, he planned this liquidation, you know, a month or year or five years ago. You know, it's just part of a um, tax plan, basically, and diversification plan, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got a huge amount of his net worth tied up in his company stock. So diversification is so important. I mean, Bezos knows what's going on, to your point, on the inner workings of Amazon. So for him, he has to sell or, you know, at at pre-range times or there's a better chance that he might end up in handcuffs. But when it comes to people that are on the ground floor, like my son, you don't have any idea what's going on, you know, corporate strategy wise. You know what they're telling the masses at work, but you don't know what's going. I mean, look at Enron. We were having this discussion over the weekend on a walk with some friends that, There were, what, four people at the top that knew what was going on at, really knew what was going on at Enron, and all these, you know, secretaries and office staff people all lost their jobs, lost everything, and you keep hearing the stories about these people that didn't diversify. Well, and how many times have you heard when you were an advisor, people say, oh, well, I know what's going on in my company, so therefore I want to, you know, I I can tell we're having a good quarter. It's like... Yeah, unless your business card says chief financial officer, or chief executive officer, or senior vice president of whatever, there's a pretty good chance you don't have any idea what's happening and even behind if, the scenes. And even if sales look good this quarter, they could use this quarter to write off some losses from the past. I mean, sure. there's, yeah, there's all kinds of things. So many, so many moving parts there. Yeah. Yeah. Our next headline. Be diversified. Amen, brother. Next headline comes to us from Market Watch. This is by Tanya Garcia. This is uh, weird news out of this holiday season. Fewer shoppers are waiting for Black Friday to get a good holiday deal. In a promotional environment, shoppers are finding a good deal all year round. It says experts still expect Black Friday to be the biggest shopping day of the year. It's, I don't think Black Friday is the biggest shopping day. I think it's the biggest because we do Black Friday every year here on the show. And I think it's the biggest maybe by volume of people. 
out shopping, but I don't think it's the biggest. I think we decided that last year. Doug had a trivia question. I think we decided like the weekend before Christmas was the yeah, biggest. Yeah, the, the Saturday, I believe, specifically yeah. the Saturday before Christmas. And I think we'll that Cyber go back Monday 52 is 52 weeks and find out. Really up there, too. About half, 52% of the respondents to Accenture's latest holiday shopping survey said it's less likely they'll shop on Black Friday this year. Of those Black Friday non shoppers, 64% said it's because of. The crowds and 44% said they can get discounts that are just as good on many other days. You know, we have. Well, again, we also talked about the fact that the discounts are better later in the season, which would make sense, right? Like as the retailers are getting closer to the end of the year. I can't wait because uh, next week we always have our Thanksgiving week of uh, Black Mm. Friday shows. I love Thanksgiving. Mm. Brent Sheldon on Monday uh, talking about uh, hot deals in the stores, Black Friday. Bridget Carey talking about hot tech. And they both always say that if you're going to go, go early, right? Go early on, on that Black Friday. But a lot of people, I think, I think this is an indicator that online shopping is really rearing its teeth more and it's, more you know it's gonna it's gonna take off you think well yeah this this fad, this fad might someday i don't know about this online shopping thing <laughs> it might work all the kids seem to be doing this it amazon fella he might be onto something the pet rock that that went away too i'm sure this internet shopping not all it's cracked well, up to be. Is selling all the stock so maybe it's not gonna be good right he sees the downturn coming that's yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> everybody's going back to brick and mortar but I think I think if you're doing your holiday shopping this year, if I'm a retailer and we saw bad news out of Nordstrom, bad news out of Macy's recently as mm. the mall just continues to suffer, I think that may be increasingly where the deals are. I am such an anti-mall shopper. You could tell me that I could pick anything out of there for free and I still probably wouldn't go. <laughs> yeah. Like I just have no desire to be a part of that. Do you, do you like that? No, you like the the hustle and bustle, so to speak. Of I don't mind. I don't mind a couple shopping trips to the mall before the holidays, and I kind of get into the you know. The yeah, you get a, a peppermint bit. mocha latte. Yeah, you know. I get into you a little wear bit. Your scarf. You this, put your scarf on with no coat. This is what I hate. I <laughs> <laughs> scarf with no coat. <laughs> you like how I tried to let it go, and you just <laughs> just tried to get by that one. But I hate the people walking at two miles an hour. Five people wide. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and yeah, just it's like a NASCAR <sighs> race. Like, but but it's it's NASCAR with the with the pace car out front. Oh, Somebody's it's horrible. Pace car in. Yeah, I'm like, do you have all day to spend? Who wants to spend all day walking two miles an hour through the mall? Uh, yeah. Look at all the stuff I could buy. Oh, why? It's why? Very, uh, oh. very Christmassy here. <gasps> Ooh, helicopters in the center. <laughs> Remote control cars. <laughs> it's like helicopters in the mall. What are we talking about? Oh, you know, those little those little doohickey things. Now that, I know, the little you know, drone deals, yeah. That break on the day after Christmas. Right. As right. long as they make it through Christmas, everybody's happy. Kid gets it, and then it's gone. I also like this poll, OG, on the uh, on this piece. Reason shoppers say they won't be shopping on Black Friday. Of course, we talked about the crowd shopping in store, where, where there are crowds of people competing to get their best bargains first. Don't like that. I can get equally as good discounts on other days, 44%. They should be about spending time with the family, 32%. I know, I know your deal. I was going to say football. Your deal is not that at all. Your deal is sending the whole family to the mall so you don't have to spend time with anybody. <laughs> You're like, hey, family. Oh, wow. Look at all I'm the like, discounts uh, in the paper. I had myself in the uh, attic. You've got. I watch I, old reel to reel Christmas this, videos from 1980. This is what happens at OG's house. He's got the Black Friday flyers 
along the sidewalk leading up to the the minivan with like the door open and he's got his family going oh look at oh look there's another one oh look next thing you know they're in the van the keys are already in the van they're gone he locks the front door brings out uh, his favorite um, foamy beverage and spends a day all day friday how about that that's heaven but I think the lesson here is, is uh, number one, you might be able to score better deals on other days. So don't just limit yourself to Black Friday. And then the second lesson is diversify, diversify, diversify when it comes to that company stock. Or just hang out with Jeff Bezos because he's buying the next round of drinks. Deacon Hayes, upstairs talking to mom. He's the host of the Well-Kept Wallet podcast, better yet, proprietor of this thing called the Well-Kept Wallet blog, which this year won Blog of the Year honors in Dallas at the Plutus Awards. He is, of course, a frequent guest here on the Stacky Benjamin Show, but you might not know his cool story about struggling with money and how he pulled himself out of trouble. He's written a new book called You Can Retire Early, available at bookstores everywhere. Please say hello to Mr. Wellcup Wallet himself, Deacon Hayes. And walking down the stairs right now, have a seat. Deacon Hayes is here in the house. Hey, Joe. Wow. Great to be back in the basement today. It uh, smells nice down here. Well, thank you. Uh, much better than it did a few weeks ago when you were just down here. Of course, we'll blame, that, was... on, blame that on Len Penzo. Yeah, and those Mike eggs. Right. You are not a guy who's retired early, but you are a guy who has lived an unconventional life, even though it didn't start out this way. And I guess your journey kind of starts with selling some wood floors. Yeah. So back in the 2008 era, right, back in the recession, uh, I decided it was smart to get into uh, selling wood floors for homes, you know, when homes were uh, not selling so hot. Because that's where that's where the money is, is in wood flooring. That's where the money is. Well, so these were luxury wood floors. So, okay. you know, it's it's funny because they were $40,000 floors or $80,000 floors. Wow. Most people would be like, that's ridiculous. Who buys those kind of floors? Well, millionaires and billionaires buy those kind of floors. But uh, back then, even those guys were struggling. So you get into the wood flooring business right at the same time the market drops out in real estate, which means the market drops out in wood floors. You must have been then on commission. Were you being paid commission? Yeah, it was so interesting because it was 100% commission. So I didn't even have a base salary. So it's like, hey, let's go get into this lucrative industry and get paid 100% commission when it's not so lucrative. You what, know? Did your, so, what did your I, bills look like at that point? I mean, did you have, what, did you own a house? So I had bought two properties at the height of the market. Uh, so our, my, our bills were pretty high and we had a lot of debt. We had 52 grand in debt outside of mortgages. So our financial situation wasn't the greatest and realized we needed to really do something about that. And uh, wood flooring wasn't going to be enough. I'm sure that you're not panicking at all. You know, we weren't panicking, but we were definitely in a state where my wife and I were just about to get married and we realized, hey, we need to do something about this, right? So my wife got her first full-time job as a teacher, which, you know, how that pays a lot, um, right. you know, combined with my commission sales job, right? So it wasn't the best combination at that time, but we realized we need to put together a plan and we wanted to pay off. The start was paying off all our $52,000 in debt. I want to get back to this in a second, but this is the same thing, by the way, for people that want to retire early. This is the same thing that you advocate in your book, right? I mean, start off with a plan and maybe it's going to be a little unconventional. 
Yeah. So the the idea was for us was I need to set a like an actual deadline, right? With anything, you could say, hey, I want to get out of debt or I want to retire early. But unless you set a deadline, you can't really achieve a goal because you don't have a destination that you're going to. So we said, okay, I want to pay it off at 18 months. Or 15, actually, I should correct myself. I I I said that. All right. My wife thought that was a little bit ambitious, right? I think that's a lot. So, $52,000. You're on a commission-only job. She's a school teacher. I mean, God bless school teachers, but like you said. So she said, you're nuts. I think you're nuts. What happened? I started going back to some of the ways that I made money as I was growing up, right? My grandma was an antique dealer, and she would go to yard sales, and she would find random things like this, like these spoons. They had like engraving on them and they had like horns on them. And, you know, to me, it's just spoons, right? She sold them for over a thousand bucks on eBay and she might've spent 20 bucks on them at a yard sale. Right. I'm like, okay, I need to figure out how to do something with this. So I used to manage an electronics store. So I thought I knew electronics. So let me look for things that are familiar to me, like routers and game boys and, you know, anything with a barcode. And then I would look it up on Amazon and let's just say I found a router and I'm like, okay, this model is selling for lowest price is 50 bucks. And I say to the guy, how much do you want for this? He say, $5. I'm like, sweet. Buy something for $5, sell it for 50 Wait a right? minute, do you have so your this phone? this is what I'm doing on the weekends. Yeah, but do you have your phone out right then and you're doing the arbitrage like right in front of him on your phone? No, I kind of do it in, you know, indiscreetly, right? Like I'm kind of, I, I might pick it up, look at the model number and then I'll put it down and then I'll kind of walk around and I'll pull my phone out. Like I don't want to be that guy, but, <laughs> um, but, but the reality is, is, you know, I've had yard sales before and the goal is I just want to get rid of stuff, right? right? Like I'm not looking to make a profit. I just want to get stuff out of my garage. So um, most people understand like, hey, you could sell this for more. And if they wanted to, they could, but they don't want to put in the effort to do it. So did your wife take part in doing this too? She did a little bit, not in the going to garage sales, but she started getting excited and she had clothes in the closet, you know, like some designer stuff or like a coach purse that she got. And she's like, I don't need it anymore. And so that stuff sold pretty decent on eBay and, and definitely helped give us some extra money to pay off some credit cards and then our student loans. And, you know, we had a car loan as well. So, you know, it was a team effort to kind of get rid of this debt. Uh, the cool thing is, is we actually were able to pay it off in 18 months with doing that. And I got a job delivering pizzas at night. So here I am. This is interesting because in college, I glorify being a pizza delivery driver, right? I'm like, I get to listen to music. You know, I get to drive and meet funny people, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so I go to work at this place and I'm, I'm a professional with a college degree and uh, I'm cleaning grease traps and I'm like peeling potatoes, you know, and I'm like, I feel like I'm totally going backwards. This is not as glorifying as I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I delivered pizzas, but there was a lot of hard work involved. So that combined with this real estate or the, the garage sale arbitrage, we were able to pay off all of our debt in 18 months. You also, I understand too, though, you also did some things with your cars. Talk about that. Oh yeah. So my boss at the time at the wood flooring place said, Hey Deacon, you need a reliable, decent looking car to take clients around in. So he brings in an ad out of the newspaper. It basically said, you know, here's this Nissan Altima. It's only 300 and something dollars a month. You know, he's like, you could afford this. And I'm looking at him like, Hey, it's a decent looking car. I could afford $300 payment or whatever. So that's, that's why I ended up getting it. What then I realized though was the insurance costs more to have a new car, the licensing, the registration costs more. The fact is, is that I have, you know, a monthly payment of 370 bucks a month or whatever it was. So all of that made me think, okay, if I got rid of this new car and got uh, a used car, then I could get rid of that monthly payment that increased insurance, that increased, you know, registration costs um, and have more money to put towards that. So my wife had a $5,000 car. It was like a VW Golf. We decided to sell that car because it was owned free and clear. And then we were able to buy 
two beater cars. So like a Honda Accord and then I bought a Lexus ES 300, but it was like really old. You couldn't even open it on the passenger side door. Like it didn't have an antenna. I mean, it wasn't, even though it was a Lexus, it wasn't the best Lexus. But the reality was we were able to get rid of this car payment and have two reliable cars uh, for 5,000 bucks. And that got rid of about $18,000 of the debt, right? So we started to think differently through this process, right? Let's not think normal. Let's think like uh, IBM said, let's think differently. Well, that's what happens when you want to retire early. I mean, getting to your book, you have to think differently if you're going to go for this, uh, you know, fire movement. Yeah. And I think that this is huge. You know, even growing up, I was always interested in passive income, right? Like everybody's kind of interested in the concept of like work once and continue to get paid repeatedly for the rest of your life. Right. Um, and that's why people invest in the stock market, real estate, et cetera. And so that was, that kind of put me on a path to say, Hey, what are the, what are those avenues, right? How can I personally, and then how can I teach others to develop a plan, set a deadline to retire early and then achieve it? And so the three main avenues are going to be through the stock market, real estate, or business, right? And so I've chosen business. We also are invested in real estate through um, what's called crowdfunded real estate and the stock market. But business is the, the main way that I go. And the reality is we will be financially independent by 42. Basically, that's what we're on track to do right now. And it's just about setting a goal and then mapping out a plan to achieve it. When you talk about business, I want to be clear to people listening. It's not just owning the business. It's building the business so that you can sell it in the future. Potentially. There's two routes, right? So it could be build it to sell or build it to remove yourself from the business and have somebody else run it for you, right? And so that's kind of the route that I've gone because I want to leave a legacy. And so for me, you know, it's kind of like Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, you know, it's like, he, <laughs> I'm sure Mark Wahlberg also owns a business. But, we almost quote Marky uh, no, Mark so, here? Yeah, we almost quote a Marky Mark, you know, in the Funky Bunch, but no, so Mark Zuckerberg, right? He was offered some ridiculous amount, billion dollars, whatever, to sell Facebook, and he turned it down. The guy, uh, Evan from Snapchat, same thing. They understand, like, okay, I could sell it and take a big payday, but then what else am I going to do, right? Like, they're building a legacy. They build but the something business, that they, they're going to— But the gonna... business still is positioned to sell. It still has systems, right? Because when you're going to sell a business—the big problem I have— is that a lot of people, they build a business and they build it around them. They don't build it with systems. And you're saying either way, my business is built around systems because I want to be able to take myself out of it, which means potentially it would be sellable. Correct. Yeah. So the, the goal is, yeah, put it in a position where it could be sellable or where you're not necessary to run the daily day-to-day operations, right? And you see this a lot with people that do, let's say, laundromats or people that do vending machine businesses or online businesses, right? Um, so there, there's all sorts of businesses that uh, drop shipping that you could do to be able to create a system to where it's either sellable or that you could basically just uh, have somebody else run it for you. So there's two steps to this, the way I see it. Once you start off with your goal, number one is reduce expenses. You did that with your car. Number two, find more income, which is your garage sale stuff that you did, the arbitrage, cost arbitrage, and the uh, the pizza delivery stuff. You talk about a couple, Josh and Stephanie, early in your book. They also went through a lot of stuff. And I'd like you, if you don't mind, to go over some of the things that people do, because it's not as hard as it seems for you to get where you want to go. I mean, you set this aggressive goal, Deacon, of 52000 bucks, and it sounds to a lot of people out there like this has to be hard. It doesn't have to be as hard as you're making it sound. 
Yeah, I think that the challenge is, is there's so many things vying for our attention, right? And so people need to be very focused and they have to say, okay, what's really important to me? And so for my wife and I, we wanted that peace of mind. We wanted to make sure that we could provide for our kids college, right? Um, we wanted to be able to travel the world. And so once that why was strong enough, now we're willing to do the other things, right? Like the sell the brand new car, get rid of the, the cable, uh, get rid of gym memberships, right? Like the stuff where if you don't use it and it's not important to you, get rid of it, right? For some people, they're not willing to make that sacrifice. But if it means retiring 20 years earlier than the next guy, and if you have a strong why, then you're going to be willing to do that, right? It also depends on where you live, right? Like if if you live in New York City and you want to retire early and you only make $50,000 a year, it's not going to happen, right? So you either need to get a much higher paying job or decide to move out of New York City, right? So for some people, it is kind of this harsh reality of, okay, what is realistic and how do I get there? You tell people to start with a budget. What's different if you're budgeting on an early retirement than if you're budgeting on a normal conventional retirement? You want to have a plan, right? So making sure that every dollar is accounted for. And so when you make purchases, when you're at the store, instead of thinking about, you know, hey, I want this, I don't know, chocolate bar right now or whatever it is, you think of like, hey, that has a long-term impact on my plan, right? It might sound ridiculous, but over a while you're like, hey, every decision that I make is going to impact my future, right? And so it's like, thinking with the resources that you have. And so I'm just trying to think of the chocolate bar is probably kind of a little bit, maybe too far because chocolate bar is not fine. But the, the point is, is yeah, that but every it might be like instead of buying the new clothes, shopping at secondhand stores for clothes. Right, right. Or instead of buying, you know, those board games that you love so much, uh, you know, brand new on online, you, you buy them at thrift stores. Bridge too far, man. Bridge too far. <laughs> I don't want it that but, bad. Yeah, you know, that that's a good point, though, Joe. You don't necessarily have to sacrifice lifestyle, right? Like, you can still have the nice clothes. You can still have the board games. You can still have stuff that you want in life, but just figure out different ways, right? Whether it's you get them at yard sales, you get them at thrift stores, whatever. Well, what I like about that, too, is recognize there's a trade-off. If I want to spend 60 bucks on a new board game, what you're saying is that does have an impact. I mean, that it's, it's going to have an impact. Every dollar has a home. Yeah, no, for sure. It definitely has a home. And so the idea is, is that... Um, basically just making sure that you have every kind of category mapped out and see how it impacts your bottom line, right? So I go through a budget line by line and I say, okay, does this matter? And if so, is it as low as it possibly can be, right? So the idea is, is like I pay less for cell phones probably than the average person. I pay less for car insurance than the average person because I really pay attention to everything that we spend our money on. You talk about a couple budgeting apps in here that you like, envelopes and good budget. Uh, what do you like about those? Yeah. So envelopes, just to be, the ability to basically kind of put things into a specific category and say, hey, these are ways that you can basically isolate money for clothes or entertainment or whatever and use kind of a digital system, right? Like the old, we use the envelope system. Like we had actual cash envelopes. Oh, the real, env uh, not envelopes like online. You had real envelopes. Yeah, we had real envelopes, but the envelope system kind of mimics that online, right? So that's what I really like about that. Another one that I actually really like right now is personal capital, just because it has the ability to do investing too, to see what our fees are and growth and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, really utilizing technology to help you achieve, you know, kind of your retirement goals. I want to ask you about that too, about investing. Um, how does a person that is looking at a very aggressive retirement, do they use the same type of investments that somebody looking at conventional retirement looks at? So it really depends, right? Like, so I'm not a licensed financial professional anymore, but the idea is, is you got to have a certain growth rate, right? So if you want to retire early, you need to know what that is. And so 
um, you know, it's more than likely going to be a more aggressive portfolio. Um, but you need to take on, you know, risks that only you're comfortable with and potentially see a financial professional about that because, uh, the, the Dude, reality are you is backing away every- from this. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically just trying to shoot this one away. <laughs> uh, no, but I talk, I do talk about it in the book. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and for us personally, we're we're pretty much 100% in equities, right? So it really depends on your kind of risk tolerance and your time horizon. And but the idea is, is you, you got to get a return that's going to be, you know, reasonable and say eight to 12%. But I think what you are saying is that eight to 12%, if you're 35 and you're trying to get it starting at 41 or 42, like you are versus somebody trying to get that between now and 60, you got to realize there's a heck of a lot more risk for you. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely risk involved, right? Like this is, this is not a foolproof plan, but the reality is, is you can, I'm a very calculated risk kind of guy, right? So you kind of say, okay, well, what's, what's the S&P 500 done over, you know, its lifespan and what's it done over the last 10 years? What's it done over the last 20 years? What, you know, what's the policy happening right now? Like, so, I mean, the the reality is you want to know whatever route that you're going to go, whether it's business and, you know, stock market or real estate, you want to be very knowledgeable about that industry and pay attention to it. Right. Because people that retire early are the people that really focus on what are the key metrics to getting there and making sure that you're making wise decisions with your finances. You said there's three earlier on in our discussion, you said there's three different ways that really kick inflation's butt business route. Like you said, the stock market, real estate, those are the big three uh, that reliably do it. Should they choose one if you're going to be aggressive and go for it? Or should you diversify among all three? Uh, So I'm a big fan of diversification. So for me, I mean, we're definitely involved in all three, but we're weighted heavy on business, right? So I think that the reality is, is, you know, invest in what you know. One of the things is I'm very much an advocate of paying down your house early, right? So for us, that's going to free up, let's say, $2,000 in cash flow a month, right? So if we were to do the math on like the stock market, like how much money in stocks would I need to get $2,000 a month in cash flow, right? It would probably be, I don't know, six hundred to $800,000 depending on the return. So the reality is, is paying down the house, now I've got a piece of real estate and I don't have to pay $2,000 a month to a mortgage lender, right? Plus we have money in the stock market that's appreciating and paying dividends. Plus we have the business, right? So yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of diversification. The book is You Can Retire Early, Everything You Need to Achieve Financial Independence When You Want It. Deacon Hayes, how cool is it to see your name on the front cover of a book? It's, it's really cool. You know, it was funny when I, my publisher didn't tell me when it was actually going to launch, right? They just said it's going to be this fall. So I go to Amazon and I'm just searching, like wondering, you know, Deacon Hayes. And like, oh my gosh, there it is, right? Like I did not really expect <laughs> to see it there, but I was thinking, well, eventually that it's, it's just going to show up, right? And so it was, it was really cool. It's, it's, you know, even, it's even cooler to be on the Stacking Benjamin show. Oh yeah. About this with you. But, there you go. Uh, Butter me up. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's very cool. And I, I really, my goal is to add value, right? My, my goal is to show people another way, right? That, that you don't have to work a nine to five your entire life, get two weeks of paid vacation and then retire at 67. Like you can retire early. And the book's available everywhere. Yeah. So this is the cool part. Like it's actually going to be in Barnes and Noble. So if you actually still have those in your area, it will be on on the shelves, which is really cool. You're going Um, to Barnes and Noble at every town you go into now, aren't you? You're going to say, Hey, let's, let's go to Barnes and Noble. I want to look at something. You're going to slowly take them back there, whoever you're with, not tell them that, you know, your book's there and then go, Oh, isn't that weird? Look at this. (laughs) <laughs> Joe, you know me too well. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But, uh, you know, that is cool, right? Like just to say, hey, gosh, I could be right next there to Robert Kiyosaki or Dave Susie Ramsey. Susie Orman. Or, 
or, or Jeff Rose or, you know, whoever, you know, the, the sky's the limit. So it's going to be at Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, all that. And we're actually doing a, a promotion right now. So if people order the book when it's launched, that will give them my course for free, debt free in 18 months, which kind of maps out, hey, set a deadline for a goal. You know, we set out 18 months and then map out a plan to achieve it. So we give that away for free. It's a $97 course just for ordering the book at wellkeptwallet.com slash retire. Awesome. Wellkeptwallet.com slash retire. We'll have a link to that, by the way, in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. If you're walking the dog or on your morning run, on your way to work, whatever it might be. Deacon Hayes, man, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Hey there, money fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and everyone knows that late night shows like Jimmy Kimmel Live owe their success to Stacking Benjamins and this here trivia segment. My influence cannot be overstated. Here's a question. On what date did the Jimmy Kimmel late night show first air? I'll be back with the answer in just a moment. Thanks to Harry's for supporting our podcast. You know, two ordinary guys started Harry's. I love these origin stories. Jeff and Andy got so fed up with having to refinance their house every time they wanted to buy razor blades that they started Harry's to fix shaving. They knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own blade factory. Here's a recipe for success. Take less profit and sell directly to you over the internet using people like stacking benjamins to get the word out harry's offers their blades at half the price that's roughly two dollars a blade compared to the four dollars or more that you'll pay at the drugstore when i got my harry's I, i fell in love immediately partly because i'm a sucker for cool packaging you open it up and it comes in this packet with these fantastic hilarious slogans and helpful shaving tips with uh with like humming instructions optional added to those instructions and i like the way the razor fit in my hand i also like the smell of aloe on the shaving cream that's all included by the way in their trial set harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades that they're going to give you the same trial set that i got for free just cover three dollars for shipping We tell you to stop messing around with your financial plan. Stop messing around with your whiskers. Get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your free trial offer. It's a $13 value for free. So to get your free trial set, including the weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision engineer blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel. I'm telling you, this stuff smells great. And a travel blade cover. I don't think I've ever had a travel blade cover. I think this is the first one OG I've ever had. Head to harrys.com forward slash SB right now. That's harrys.com slash SB for yours. I've talked about this stat before, but this is scary. According to a 2016 Gallup poll, 48% of all Americans don't own any stock. And I realize it can be daunting when it's time to start something new, but here's a great thing. Getting invested is more to do with taking baby steps than leaping headfirst into Wall Street. Here's Brian Barnes, founder of M1 Finance, on just how easy it is to be invested. So you just either log on to the website or use the mobile application. We're native on Android and iOS, and it takes about three minutes, and your first $1,000 that you deposit is managed for free. I'd love to say the free $1,000 is a special deal I made for you, but uh, Brian and M1 Finance are that good to everybody. With M1, you can select from one of dozens of professionally designed portfolio pies, 
or you can customize it, as mom says, to your heart's content. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash M1 finance for more. That's stackybenjamins.com. M, the number one, finance.com. Just fire up their mobile app, M1 finance, be invested. Howdy, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm holding in my hands the answer to today's trivia question, which was this. On what date did the Jimmy Kimmel Late Night Show first air? The answer, Jimmy Kimmel Live first aired on January 26, 2003. Kimmel's known for involving members of his family and friends in the show, which only proves that, of course, all that success is probably derived from yours truly. See ya! You missed it by a matter of days. Not far off, right? I mean, I was trying to figure out who was before him. Ah, uh, you know what? You know what I mean? Like, because that would have given me a clue. And no, there I, I wasn't. Think there was anybody. There wasn't one. Nightline. Nightline yeah. was expanded then. With Ted Koppel. Mm-hmm. Nightline with Ted Koppel. Yeah, and I think that has something to do with it. Was was Koppel kind of stepping down, stepping back then a little bit? I don't remember. No. Remember they used to, it would be done and he would say, good night, everybody. And then it'd be like the national anthem and the flag and then... St- just the snow. I don't. I don't remember. Anything. You don't remember TV? Didn't TV ended right? Like I, at like one a.m. I do know that, Grandpa. I do. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> one of us is closer to that than the Grandpa. Can you tell me a story about the time the TV ended? My kids. My kids said something about, well, Dad, but in your day, TV was black and white. In your day. <laughs> No, it wasn't. So awesome. Hey, let's throw out Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's, or rather, life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most, OG. Uh, Amazon stock, Black Friday ads. Yes, of course. Or your family and your time. I mean, either one of those. Yeah. Of course, for you. I spend a week with my family and uh, Amazon stock moves up the list a little. Sending your, sending your family to the mall and your time are year two. They were the first life insurance startup that's wholly owned by industry giant Mass Mutual to create a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy. You can purchase entirely online, qualified, healthy applicants. They even skip the medical exam. They don't skip to the medical exam. They skip the exam. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. You can't overstate not having to do so that medical simple. exam so much faster. Well, it's not just the medical exam. It's the fact that you can be done with it in, you know, in, in, in 30 minutes, not yeah. even 15 minutes. Yeah. Why not? Uh, let's say hello to our new BFF, Jane. Hi, Joe and OG and Joe's mom. I have a uh, accountant that I use for my taxes and I think I really underutilize them or the fact that I think my taxes are getting more complicated with more dividends and, and things like that. What are the type of questions or topics that I should approach them with in order to better utilize they, their services above and beyond just filling out my tax return in you know March or April? Thanks. Jane. You know, you got these professionals in your corner, OG. You should probably use them. When it comes to the uh, CPA accountant type relationship, I think a lot of people do this exact same thing, right? You see them once a year, you drop off your stuff, you come back, you pick up your stuff. 
they say, oh, by the way, you're going to owe a thousand bucks or your refund's 1200 or whatever. And that'll be $300 and you're done. And Jane's right. There should be more to it than that. Some of the things that I would be thinking about would be what kind of withholding should I have throughout the year? You know, if you have a job that has incentive compensation, you get some bonuses or you get commissions or something like that. You want to pay attention to that throughout the year. What are some other tax deductions or or opportunities that that I haven't taken advantage of in the past uh, that would help, you know, my tax situation you know, in the future? Because the problem when you get to the CPA's office in March is, I mean, there's very few things that you can do in March that affect your taxes from last year, right? So you have to make all those tax changes in 2017 so that when you do your taxes in, in, in March, you can reap the benefits from them. So I would make sure that your CPA is aware of any family changes, right? If you have a child, child grows up and is now not on your taxes anymore, you want to tell him or her those things early in the year and say, how does that affect my uh, tax liability for the year? And then I think a little bit to some respects in terms of tax planning, a little early right now with all the proposed tax changes, but as soon as those things become uh, more cemented into the law, I would definitely have a conversation of now what do I have to do? You know, where are we at in terms of tax brackets? And great questions for CPAs or and or financial advisors are things like, you know, how much should I contribute to a regular 401k versus my Roth? These are questions that they should be able to model out in tax software and say, here's the impact to you, dollars and cents. I have had uh, a few different uh, people help me with my taxes over the years. And the first person who helped me with my taxes was horrible. And even as I asked them for help, they really seemed unable to give it. And sometimes it's just the wrong person. I like using my tax people for, like, to your point, OG, what are all the things I could be doing? Let me tell you a little bit more about me and where are my opportunities at to maybe put together a better puzzle all this first gentleman wanted to do and he had so many designations it wasn't funny i mean i thought he was the perfect guy all he wanted to do is put together the puzzle that's all he wanted to do at the end of the at the end of the year i really needed the education piece so jane depending on on where you are to og's point the education piece might be the the big part you need cool by the way a resource for that our friend uh, devin carroll at the big picture retirement they did an episode early on in the Big Picture Retirement Podcast. It's episode five, Hiring the Right Tax Advisor. What I like about that, they go through all the different ways different tax advisors are paid. So what's the difference between a tax attorney using software yourself, you know, a CPA, and just uh, somebody who's a tax preparer? And goes really does a good job of walking through all those and who's right for, for which one. So episode five over there I thought was... Uh, was a pretty um, comprehensive episode. Thanks for the question, Jane. We also get uh, letters down here. Doug brought down the mail this morning, and let's open up this one. Comes to us from Steve. Steve says, hey, Joe and OG, I'm 42 and have almost all my investments in stocks except for cash in my home. I've been told I should diversify with bonds or evil bond funds. <laughs> he really wrote the word evil. My brokerage account offers some bonds where yield to maturity on one-year AAA corporates are 1.3% or lower. Two years are at 1.6%. Five years at 2.1%, etc. However, my cash is sitting in an online savings account yielding 1.4% is liquid and FDIC insured. I don't want to lock my money up long term as I won't be able to use it to rebalance. Am I missing something? Why would I invest in bonds? Thanks for teaching me nothing. 
Steve. Steve uh, baits the OG hook, and now let's feed it to him. <laughs> I think you've answered your own question, Steve. I don't know. This is exactly the problem. This isn't the problem all the time, though. I mean, Steve, you're looking at bonds right now at an interest rate environment that's not at all bond friendly. And so I understand OG's point about bonds, but don't take these numbers we have today as a long term bond numbers because they're not. Ultimately, as you build your investment portfolio, you have to consider the potential swings that that portfolio can can produce, right? It, if you're all stock all the time, you're going to have wild swings in your portfolio. And by wild, we saw that 10 years ago. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years already, but we started seeing that about 10 years ago, this time when the stock market started violently going down almost 50 some odd 3% or something from the high water mark in 2007 till early 2009. So so if you look at your investment account and you have $500,000 and you think, okay, if that hits 250000 I will freak out and change everything, right? Then you have, you have too much risk. You have too much volatility exposure. And then you have to have some fixed income in there to offset the fact that you just can't take it. Now, I think a lot of it is education as long as you can – work through that. And some of it's coaching, you know, with an advisor or something that says this time is not different and just turn off the news and that sort of thing. You can kind of get past it. But I see a lot of people who talk a big game, right? With all, all stock exposure. Oh, I didn't, I didn't sell anything in the last bear market. It's like, well, yeah, you were 27 and had 19 grand. Of course you didn't. Now you're 37 and you have it gets 640,000. It gets way harder. So you tell me that, and, and you make a hundred grand a year. So if you lose three years worth of income in six months, you're not choking. You're not going you're, you're to seriously consider making a change. Yeah, I can tell you on this side of the table. I don't know about your side, Joe. It's hard when it happens here. Like, and I know what to do. It is painful. Oh, it's ridiculous. I played golf with Steak Brother the other day, and he said the same thing. He says, "I've never seen the market go down." He's like, I'm going to freak out and I don't even have that much money. I said, well, you're going to have less next time you have to buy me a meal. But, you know, so part of it is the tactical nature of fixed income being unattractive in terms of the interest rate, kind of what what you're saying, Joe and Steve, what you said in terms of your viewpoints. But the other side of the coin is you have to recognize what they're there for. I don't think you should ever have them, but that doesn't mean that we never recommend them. Right. Because it's all about behavior and, and how you behave if the market goes down by half is really the only thing that matters. And if you're going to freak out, then you have to have something that makes it so that the market going down by half doesn't affect you as much. Thanks for the question, Steve. If you've got a question for the show, send those to joe at stackybenjamins.com. You'll also see on the website, you'll see a spot that says just questions in big letters. Click on that and you'll get the Haven Lifeline and a spot to send in your letter. And finally, as we roar here into the fourth quarter, we're starting to do our planning here for next year in the basement. If you're starting your planning, great time to do that is right now. OG's taking on new clients. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G to get your 2018 plan started with uh, OG in your corner. That's going to do it for today. Coming up on Wednesday, Lisa Phillips buys real estate that's so inexpensive, people tell her she shouldn't buy it. 
And ooh, so, I like this idea. Yeah, they t- they they're like, ooh, how could you do that? And she does like, it like really expensive, like seven thousand dollars inexpensive, it, like thirty and below. Oh, nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So Lisa Phillips going to talk to us about incredibly affordable real estate on Wednesday show. She will tell us all about that, and of course, the same mix of uh, potpourri that is the Stacky Benjamin show. <laughs> Doug, potpourri. take it from here, man. What should we've learned today? thing, Joe. But before I tell everybody what we should have learned today, can I be the first to say that you and OG harmonized the chorus of Weekend in New England like nobody I've ever heard before. Truly touching. Okay, folks, let's get on to the lessons for today. First, take a lesson from Deacon Hayes. Things not going well? What side hustles can you start that'll solve your short-term problems and instead help you walk down the road to early retirement? Second, invested in company stock, it's never a great idea to hold on to too much. So like Jeff Bezos, it might make sense to sell off a spare billion dollars worth from time to time. But the big lesson, don't stand over Joe's mom while she's busy making pies, unless you want to be the one volunteering to help clean up some later. I'd love to stay, but dishes await. Special thanks to Deacon Hayes for stopping by. You'll find his book, You Can Retire Early, wherever books are sold. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes. Not one bit. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Little known fact, I'm really Joe's mom's neighbor Doug, and not just Joe changing his voice. Oh, this is great. This this is flipping great. Sounds like I've heard this before. This comes to us from uh, from, from where? Uh, SF Gate says, uh, California man's professional commercial. Well, I'm just going to play the audio of this. Have you heard about this commercial? I have no idea what you're talking about. You've given me six six words to figure it out. This is a commercial that a dude made. And I think, oh, he put it in, on eBay eBay Motors. Uh, here is here is the commercial. 
Says my girlfriend needs to sell her car. To help her, I made this commercial. You? You're different. You do things your way. That's what makes you one of a kind. You don't need things. You're happy with who you are. You don't care about money. You have everything you've ever wanted. You don't do it for appearances. You do it because... By the way, I'm going to stop it right there because some of these things you need to see. She has her, her trunk hood open where she has a mirror underneath the trunk hood and she closes it after looking at herself in the mirror. She gets in, she puts her cassette tape into the tape player and hooks her hooks her iPhone up to the cassette and the cassette player. And as she's pouring coffee right there, she has a, a full coffee pot in the seat next to her. And of course, there's some kids toys in the back window that keep going back and forth as he's talking about, you're not keeping up appearances, you are who you are. This, this is not a car. This is you. It's a lifestyle. A choice. Your choice. Introducing a used 1996 Honda Accord. A car for people who have life figured out and just need a way to get somewhere. Luxury is a state of mind. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Luxury it, state of mind. It says 96 Honda Accord. 141,000 miles. Bid starting at $499. <laughs> By the time they wrote this, uh, people were, were just pouring on the bids. Uh, they're thinking that the car might earn the couple more than 20,000 bucks because of yeah. that commercial. We'll, we'll see. That's an awesome, awesome way to sell a car, though. That's so yeah. cool. Luxury is a state of mind. Mm-hmm. I think they sold the thing with the coffee pot. I mean, if you can drive around with a coffee pot on the seat next to you. I'd demand the coffee pot comes with it. And I'd also. The whole deal. Well, yeah, I got to negotiate for that tape uh, thing because who makes yeah, those anymore? You can't find those anymore. <laughs> no way. As is. All items for sale shown. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.